Hm? Ah! Oh. There were moments where I was like, oh my God, Blazer was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> But during the, the cold months, I was like, ha ha, I would. <laughs> Hey Zed Heads, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Lucy. This is the Walking Dead cast episode 399. Today's a special episode. We I decided, you know, I've been talking about doing interviews again, and I'm like, who should we call? And I figure as a present to Lucy, we'll call Dan Fogler. Yay! <laughs> we are That's, registered. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're on Zoom. Lucy has her wedding dress on. No, I'm just kidding. I do. Um, but we just talked to him, so you're going to hear it. But how did you think it went? Oh, it was lovely. He's a really nice guy. Um, we just wish we'd had longer. He's uh, he's pretty busy. I think he's stuck in the UK at the moment. So, yeah, really fun to chat and knows so much about comic books and comic book culture um i feel like we didn't spend that much time on the walking dead we kind of spoke more about dan's own work um which is fascinating really really interesting yeah we talked some about you'll hear about his character and different things that we've been talking about on the podcast but um we also got into a lot of his comic book work and his podcasting and you just get a fuller picture of what kind of a guy dan is so with that mm-hmm. said enjoy yeah He's a film, stage and TV actor, a director, a comedian, a podcaster, a writer of plays and comic books, a father, a husband, so many things. And he plays one of our favourite characters in The Walking Dead, Luke. Welcome to our podcast, Dan Fogler. Whoa. Deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I fucking press the record button, I will once again ask my first question, which is that I love that Luke is a renaissance man. And and I just love that he's such an original character within all these so many characters on the show that he's 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 special. He's he loves art. He's vulnerable. He's sensitive, but he's also very capable, which I like a lot. And so I just went back and watched the scene where he was talking to Michonne and Sadiq about the importance of the role of art in the development of civilization and even positioning it as like, like these days people kind of write off entertainment and art as unnecessary. But according to what Luke was saying, it's almost like it was an advantage and and part of the reason why uh, humanity has become the dominant species on the planet. And I wonder how much of that you share with him and his perspective. Yeah, I I, uh, I, have, I happen to agree. I feel like uh, his, I, I, I think that's how he stayed sane. You know, he he was able to hold on to this hope that if he collected enough instruments, like risked his life and and saved them enough instruments, like they were people, that he would. Eventually, I mean, maybe it, it seemed insane to other people, but to him, eventually one day he would be able to get back to how things were um, and teach a, teach a music class again, you know, and like better to have a 
guitar and not need one than to need a guitar and not have one. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> kind of thing. Where, uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, someone said recently, I don't know if it was Stephen King or something, but, but somebody said recently that, uh, you know, you, you try not going in, insane during this quarantine without music, without entertainment, without right. movies. Mm-hmm. It was Stephen King. Yeah, he tweeted that out. I think it's so true, man. This music um, helps us make sense of all of this. You know, it helps us communicate almost uh, to you know telepathically, but it's like to people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It um, kind of binds us together, right on the on an emotional level. Absolutely. And yeah, there's something I've always felt. And he kind of talks about it in that monologue where he talks about the Neanderthals and mm-hmm. how we love them to death, you know. But um, <laughs> the idea of, you know, what came first, it was uh, our intelligence grew and we found fire. And what did we do? We Did we use it to destroy? No, we sat around it and we looked at it and we <laughs> said, wow, that's awesome. What do you think of that? You know? <laughs> and then... And that's a war. Yeah. And, and, um, and what does that look like to you? And oh, look, it looks like a dancing you know, star. Mm-hmm. And that's how stories happen. That's how songs were created. That's how. So, I, yeah, I feel like it's music is like one of the elements. Art. This character, um, because you are, I mean, I, you know, just kind of doing a little research to talk to you today. I'm like, holy shit, man, he's done everything. And it's all in, within the arts. And I wonder, I, I've never heard the story of how you got to play Luke. Were they creating this role just for you and your personality? Oh, wow. And I, um, yeah, I kind of made Luke, well, you know, they gave me, they gave me that incredible dialogue, you know, and so it's easy to, easy to mine a character out of that. But um, I definitely, like my stamps were, I turned up the 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 metrosexual dial, you know. He's like, <laughs> like he the idea that he the other thing that he holds on to, um, not only the music is his is his teacher's blazer, you know, with the the professor yeah. got the professor's patches on his his elbows. Same reason, mm-hmm. same reason. We're whole, this is a semblance. We're gonna be civilized. We're gonna be civilized while we beat the crap yeah, out of zombies. <laughs> uh, well, the listeners were asking about that Maria Lawson how many times yeah. has he begged wardrobe to let him lose the blazer like they wanted to know if it's too hot in Atlanta for that and stuff <laughs> there were moments where I was like oh my god blazer was a bad choice <laughs> <laughs> but during the, the cold months I was like ha ha I worked <laughs> uh, that was I your like- choice I love the blazer. Yeah, I, I wanted the, I wanted to have the patches. I also there was also, um, well, I'll get back to the other question. How I got the part. I mean, that's an easy, which is, I was doing Fantastic Beasts, and I said to my represent my my reps, I was like, um, yeah, if I have a little time in between, I want to do something dark. You know, I want to do something different. I want to do something. So they 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 reached out to the Walking Dead, and they and the Walking Dead came back with loot. And I said, and I'm a comic book fan. I love, I love The Walking Dead, and Luke is in oh, the comic. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, so I was like, yes, absolutely. I will play Luke. So then it was kind of making it my own. And so, so one of the aspects was the blazer. And I thought, because the way it was presented to me was, you know, you'll, you'll come on for one season and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and that, and in, out, you know, it'd be great. And because uh, in the comic books, Luke is supposed to be one of the heads on the pike. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We're both readers, so we know. We know. The yeah. Story. <laughs> All the way up until like a month before, when they started casting people's heads, you know, making plaster heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the way up until then, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ahead on the pike." And um, so, a lot of my acting, and there were subtle little hints to that in the. Um, <laughs> first season where that blazer if i if whenever if you watch the first season whenever i felt like i was in real danger i'd flip up the collar and underneath was this was red and you see around my neck which <laughs> in my mind the foreshadowing of yeah. i'm gonna get animated. right um, and then i had another the shirts i always had i always actually it's weird i always wore these kind of shirts with the buttons in the front and um as season nine went on, they gave me this sh- white shirt with red buttons going down. I was like, oh, that's the blood coming down from my neck. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. so, but obviously, uh, it, it didn't work out like that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy. Sometimes we feel a little bit like the show can uh, fuck with us. And one of the ways it does that is very much with your character giving us signposts towards Luke maybe not making it. And there was a particular um, send off from Hilltop, I think, heading off to Oceanside that was just scored with this amazing orchestral music and you were waving and we were just like, oh, he's dead. This good. <laughs> he's gone. <laughs> but, you know, not, not yet. <laughs> Are you aware of that, like teasing with us like that or did, did that not occur to you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then like, you know, if you, <laughs> you you kind of lean into that sometimes, especially mm-hmm. with Jules now, like the whole idea that like yeah. anybody with a Yeah. So I like playing with the, the subtle foreshadowing, mm-hmm. obviously <laughs> um, <laughs> with the hints and the costume and stuff like that. It's now at Jules too, I, I think you were hinting at that. Um, we thought, I thought she was going to be a whisperer. That was kind of the point, right? A secret whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jules will kill me at some point, and yeah, it's like everyone's programmed, you know, from watching yeah. the show over the years. Like, I think it's funny, and and obviously at this point, the writers have figured out the formula where they can like play into that, or they could tease it, or you know, pull away from it. It's hard to be unpredictable. Kirkman's another- so good at that in the comic; like, he's masterful at it. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you about the end. Did you know that was going to be the final issue or were you surprised? Well, no, I heard it was the final issue and then I read it. But I was uh, I was just in shock how it happened. Well, it was like Captain America just took some random shrapnel to the belly. Who got him? Well, that... that that guy. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm not, not expecting. Uh, I mean, it was it was very Shakespearean. I thought, you know, mm-hmm. 
it was very real. What what Kirkman does is, uh, I mean, I, I haven't read an, another comic book like it, mm-hmm. where you're you're reading it like it's like it's you know a play, or you're reading it like it's a. It's got these long dialogue scenes, and mm-hmm. he defied a lot of the rules. Mm-hmm. Black and white, long, long, suspenseful, you know, dialogue scenes. The action is kind of dispersed and like a film like builds you know so sometimes you'll have no action and you know but you're still no zombies for long periods sometimes so many characters (laughs) all the different relationships you're just like wow how how does he he's a natural because he was like only 28 or something when he started maybe even younger he knew it was going to be a hit he was just like it just i just think he just set out and, and knew the whole trajectory i I think it's a, I like the whole story where he was just like, yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be aliens at the end. They're just like, where are the aliens? He's like, they're coming. They're, don't worry. <laughs> Dan, you, you write comics. It's, it's a big part of the, the art that you make. And it's been really enjoyable to kind of go in and, and look at the kind of comic and graphic Thank novel you. work that you do. Yeah, some bad <laughs> Jason's written some badass heavy metal comics, which I think is a, a good description. Um how did this come about? How did you get into to comic writing? Um what draws you to it? T- tell us a little bit more because this is really obviously for us this is fascinating because comics and zombies are what we're all about. Oh, okay. Uh yeah, I I love comic books. I grew up reading comic books and Heavy Metal Magazine was the first comic book I ever picked up. <laughs> it was, um, I was, I was like 10. I was way too young. And uh, it was sitting on my brother's comic book shelf and it was sticking out because it was oversized. So I was like, oh, what's that? You know? And, I, <laughs> and then I was just hooked and I saw uh, Heavy Metal the movie mm. a million times on HBO growing up. And I was just like, made a huge impression and i thought if i make a comic book it would be an homage to heavy metal and heavy metal the movie with um the Lochnar uh as the narrator uh weaving in and out of all the different anthology stories and i was like yeah i like that idea how it's like they're separate stories but they're connected somehow and mm-hmm. and so that was my first comic book which was moon lake moon lake and that's my homage to heavy metal and Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt. We have zombies too, but this is like uh, the dial is you know turned up on uh, the the comedy. So it's on. So it's on like the, um, you know the the weirder side of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, the aliens, you know, and we have um, we have Sasquatch, and you know, and uh, we have you know psychotic cheerleaders and. We have this uh, cave girl, um, sorceress, mm. and her like um, sidekick is this is Z Rex, which is this uh, zombie zombie <laughs> source Rex. <laughs> and um, he, uh, those are my zombies. My zombies are you know zombified dinosaurs. You know, and uh, I, I like to um, you know I like to to shake it up a little. I don't want to like if I have a we don't just do werewolves. We do uh, wear everything else, you know, 
like uh, you know uh, i saw some panels of werebears that were pretty interesting <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh werebear is the first one we introduced and then he we do a whole like island of dr moreau spin-off mm. <laughs> with all hybrid creatures and uh were monkeys and where i was looking at this new one uh Brooklyn Gladiator, Simon Beasley, amazing. Simon Beasley. Lobo, Lobo. of Lobo fame. <clears throat> oh, man, I, I used to read Lobo. Right. And Beasley specifically, Beasley, you know, did covers uh, for heavy metal. So I've been watching him for my whole life or reading uh, his material my whole life. And so when I started writing this dystopian, you know, sci-fi cautionary tale, which is Brooklyn Gladiator, Mm. I, which is also an homage to heavy metal and, you know, Judge Dredd and 2000 AD, you know, all those, mm. all those. Mm. I heard you say Akira. Akira. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because what's happening in the book is that the sun is changing mm-hmm. and the powers that be are trying to block out the rays of the sun however they can because it's evolving mm-hmm. people. Um, it's uh, making people you know, more psychic. And uh, that's what happens in Akira. You have all these psychics popping up in these waves and mm-hmm. similar thing is happening in Brooklyn Gladiator. And so even, even the, you know, the title font that I chose was an homage to, to heavy metal um, mm-hmm. for Brooklyn Gladiator and very excited about that. What was uh, it like to see the pages start coming in from Simon Beasley, this guy that you followed as a kid? <laughs> incredible. <laughs> that's wild. I bet that it's yeah because especially if it's someone that you you grew up reading and and then they're like a freaking genius you know yeah. and, and and you you hand them your 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 work and you and you just know that they're gonna elevate it to um the next level and put their amazing stamp on it and then when you get it back it's there's nothing like it to have that book in your hand and go, Oh my God, I'm, I'm I just, I just feel like a kid. I feel like that that was holding that local comic as, as a kid, you know, just mm-hmm. like, wow, this is like my favorite artist. And, and Oh my God. Now <laughs> right. I used to work at a publishing company in the education department and I wrote some just little spelling uh, aid books little stories with spelling words. And then one of the designers in the department drew out the story. And I just felt like I didn't deserve to have that much effort put into my stuff or something. That was the feeling I had like, Oh my God. <laughs> so cool. And it's not, it's not just basically either you've managed to get, was it cover art from Glenn Fabry? You've spoken about preacher in interviews before oh, wow. as well. Awesome. And that's awesome. Yeah, Glenn Fabry. That was insane. I, I, I see it's helpful to have you know some celebrity in, in certain instances like that you know where you can reach out and they'll they'll say yeah yeah why not uh i'll do a cover for you uh, yeah i got a glenn fabry cover for it was for uh volume zero of brooklyn gladiator mm. and i i can't believe i got a glenn fabry cover i can't believe that i'm working with these people um and then uh for Fishkill, I got Ben Templesmith, who is yeah. another, another guy who Fishkill is the prequel to Brooklyn Gladiator. Yeah, mm-hmm. takes uh, right now, and um, 
I can't believe I got to work with Ben. I, I can't believe that we got four completed issues from Ben Templesmith. Uh, it's just like, it's, I, I, it's a miracle. Uh, and I, I hope that he continues to write, to draw the series. Um, we'll see. I'm meeting a lot of great artists, obviously now being with heavy metal. I have, a you know, just years and years and years of content for this stuff. I, I just want to put, as long as people let me, um, <laughs> as long mm-hmm. as I have some money in my pocket, I really want to keep making these. I got stories for, for years to come with all of these titles. Well, we got a preview of Fish Kill. So are we right in thinking Fish Kill is being published this year? Or has it just come out? Fish Kill comes out in August. That's what I, yeah. Fish kills out in August. Um, quite different in feel to Brooklyn Gladiator. We got the first few panels and yeah. very. I got a Full Metal Jacket vibe from it, kind of military. PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's. I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued to know more about how that's going to pan out. You mentioned four four issues, four volumes. Four issues of of uh, volume one. Um, okay. Fish and then um, we're in the middle of writing the next volume now, and hopefully that'll come out next year, and then we'll just keep on putting them out. But it's strange because it's very prophetic, um, <laughs> overlapping with the headlines <clears throat> of it, today. That really struck me. Within the first two pages, there was talk about um, authority, police brutality. It was it was uncanny that that was just this moment. So, yeah. yeah. It's wild. Um, the, the 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 main hero Bart Fishkill, he is sent down this conspiracy theory rabbit hole that um, it's very familiar to what's happening with us right now. He um, he goes into the police academy and he basically graduates on the day that nine eleven happens, mm-hmm. and then he's just like okay, I'm going to go to Afghanistan and win this war myself, you know, and he has this heart of gold, you know, and this barometer, you know, this ineffable barometer of justice, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, but he gets to the war and he realizes, wait a minute, this, this war is not what you know, we're being told it is. And, and, um, he gets wrapped up in, uh, remote viewing programs, uh, MK ultra, uh, my, all stuff and becomes a weapon you know like a one-man army essentially but he won't hurt children mm. that's he just they send him into a village they say kill everybody and he mm. just can't mm. so that becomes uh, a liability and mm. he his brain is wiped and he's sent back to America and he becomes a good detective and his handlers are watching him, you know, to make sure he stays. But he's a good detective and his heart of gold gets him in trouble because he's sniffing down the wrong alleyways, um, trying to find children who are being trafficked. And what were your kind of inspirations for this sort of detective theme? For this is Chinatown. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The inspiration for this is uh, was Brooklyn Gladiator. I was yeah. I was writing Brooklyn Gladiator, and I said, "Holy shit, we're living the sci-fi dystopia right now." Yep. So <laughs> I think I'd like to write 
the seeds that are sown for Brooklyn Gladiator. Mm. Where Brooklyn Gladiator is um, talks about the technocracy mm-hmm. that is coming. This talks about the one man against the secret society deep state that sets him up, makes him a patsy, and he is one man against trying to defeat the people who are setting up the technocracy. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to mention the podcast and uh, like your description. Well, it's Dan Fogler's 4D experience podcast says for people who smoke pot and love movies, join the smoke circle with actor comedian Dan Fogler as he gets high with celebrity guests and discusses the latest films he's seen in 4D warning. Hello. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) We've been, tweaking that uh that blurb for a while at the beginning i was smoking with my i don't smoke with all of my guests uh i I, I you know because it it relaxes me and puts Uh me in frame of mind of of chatting um (laughs) and uh and we used to you know when when we were it's really cool you know joe i i got the hint from joe rogan he would sit there and you know they would smoke and and (laughs) get relaxed while they were talking you know so i was like yeah i like that <laughs> um but, but you know not everybody smokes with me i, I we've changed that blurb a couple times and it, that that one that one keeps on like, coming back it's just like <laughs> it's fun it's fun but i was listening to greg nictero it's so mm-hmm. great and he's like such an amazing guy with all these experiences and been involved in such on the coolest things but it's just really fun to hear you talk because you can tell you're both fan, super fans and you admire yeah. each other and everything yeah, man. That, yeah, this. I love doing the podcast. You, you guys probably feel the same way because you you get to talk to people who you you know like they're a person. You know, you, you like yeah. Like yeah. On set, it's there's a little bit of you know fun banter or whatever. But I, that was the most I ever talked to Greg. Mm. Like yeah. you know, I got to actually sit down and they, and he couldn't go anywhere for right. you know. <laughs> We've had him on here too. He's great. Had to pick his brain, and and um, and it was insane. And he and I both have the same movie that scared the crap out of us and inspired us to love horror movies, and that's Jaws. And that was the first movie I ever saw at Whoa. six years old. It kind of oh messed me up. Yeah, <laughs> it's famously our um, our family Christmas movie. We all watch Jaws because it's a family favorite. Wow. That's how we get festive <laughs> uh, yeah. by being scared. <laughs> I uh, I can't go into um, murky water to this day without a no. sharp rock in my hand. Like I, I you know, because hearing the music. <laughs> uh, and then he has he has the Jaws several of them but like the actual jaws model in his studio just you know mounted on the wall it was so crazy to see that so cool incredible um and and then to see like to to hear that he's been involved in basically every single special effect that you ever loved growing up yeah and like evil dead movies and day of the dead and all this yeah but just not just like you know zombie genre yeah on everything man like he like breaking like, bad pulp yeah. fiction, oh, pulp fiction right. yeah. <laughs> Whoa, yeah like insane man his visceral art you know moved me 
You know, it, mm. it, sometimes that blood splatter is like the thing that you remember for mm. the whole movie for the rest of your life. You know? <laughs> I mean, you're so the podcast, yeah, you love talking to the people, like real people that you admire, and you're doing these comics and you're an actor. It just seems like you're hungry for experience or what's going on. Yeah. Why, why are you so active? Um, I guess I'm just curious. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I research a lot. Like I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm often trying to get to the bottom of um, what's really going on. And, and that's what, you know, the moon lake is about endless rabbit holes and, mm-hmm. Fish Kill is about a man seeking the truth, trying to, you know, he's a, and uh, John Miller in Brooklyn Gladiator is a guy who is rejecting all of the, all of the redacted information and and seeking the truth. Like he's like I think I have a a thing with just trying to to figure out you know how this all works while we're here and um, oh make and you do that just, experientially like yeah you, yeah involved in. <laughs> good um it's um it's funny i came thinking here's dan who does fantastic beasts and the walk dead and also these comics but listening to you talk about all of them i'm starting to see the threads between the two like the fantastic beasts in moon lake combined with kind of the the magical world that you're involved in with the films and your passion for horror and zombies it's really interesting to get this kind of full picture um i i mean my main question is is well, it's not really a question so much as a statement for you. Are, are you a nerd, Dan? Would you say you're a nerd? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, yeah, uh, good. Awful <laughs> <laughs> uh, puff style. I, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was drawing, you know, Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on my notebook. Now I'm aging myself, but I, I, was, <laughs> I was drawing him on my notebook before people even knew who the hell the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when they suddenly, like, the next year or a year later, when suddenly it was, like, you know, Cartoon, yeah. And was, <laughs> I was like, I, I found... The- <laughs> <laughs> it's we not the real feeling. Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to let people know, if they want to check out these comics, how do they mm-hmm. get them? The uh, Heavy Metal Magazine shop online has all the books. Um, July 8th, uh, which is the very soon tomorrow, uh, Brooklyn Gladiator, uh, and then August 8th, uh, Fish Kill and Moon Lake is, uh, September just in time for Halloween-ish. Yeah. And you can go to my, my new webpage, which is, uh, Fogler's Fiction, www.foglersfiction.com where you can, it's like one stop shopping for all of my comic book uh, content and posters and stuff like that. You can go there. Um, you can get a link to the, the Twitter and the Instagram. Amazing. There. Should we do that one last thing, Lucy? Uh-oh. Okay. I think we should. Um, <laughs> it's traditional on the walking dead. Actually, I've never done this before. This is my first time asking. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually ask our guests to give us a zombie sound. So would you be willing to give us a zombie sound? Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I would love <laughs> Okay, so just just giving a zombie sound. No worries. Yeah. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to cover this up so you just hear the sound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that freaky? 
That it was sounds <laughs> just like Greg Nicotero. Hey, I want to make you guys know that I've chosen a name for my weapon. And it's uh, called, um, I mean, hopefully they'll let me choose it, but my <laughs> name for my weapon is called the Rickenbacker, which <laughs> is it's named after Pete Townsend's guitar. So. <laughs> das Rickenbacker. Nice. Just <laughs> slip that in one day. Just say that, you know, yes. in addition Andy to your normal lines. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Dan. It was, it was great talking to you. Good to meet yeah. you. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Love your work. We're, we're loving watching. I mean, if it, let me just say, if Luke dies in this finale that we haven't seen yet, I want to thank you for being a part of The Walking Dead. Either way, oh, but just yeah, in case. So much. We hope not. We hope not, but, you know, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, Dan. Oh, my God.